Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Hey y'all, so Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Light Company, best lights in the business. If you don't believe me, go check them out, nighthunters.com. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout and receive almost $20 off Hellcat Max. But that code is good for any superior light on that website and the battery tester, which works with the Hellcat Max. So go over there and check them out. So today I'm going to be joined by Mr. Alan Bridges. Alan's a lifelong coon hunter. So as you'll hear in the episode, I posted a promo code in for superior lights in the coon hunt conversations group, which you're not supposed to do. When I did... Alan messaged me, and the word that I was looking for is he didn't come at me aggressively. He came at me in a, a very civil manner, a very uh, communicating, welcoming manner, and said, hey, man, look, you know, we can't do that here. I do enjoy the podcast, and I was like, yeah, I mean, hey, I completely understand. You know, it's your group. That's the rules. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't know I overstepped the boundaries. Hey, I'm perfectly fine with that. So <laughs> we started talking, and like he said, he I noticed that he liked to hunt out of the boat. I liked to hunt out of the boat. So I said, man, dude. I've been thinking about doing this podcast about hunting out of a boat. And it's going to be one podcast where I'm actually going to give some tips and some insight to, because I'm not an expert cooner, but I do hunt out of a boat a lot. So this was going to be one episode to where I was going to do that. So kind of the way that we went about it is we had kind of a list of questions as far as like, you know, the first thing you'll hear me say, well, I had for this one, you know, I had this for this one. So that's kind of why you hear me say that. We kind of had a list of what we thought, would be important, you know, top four things or whatever. And Alan had some excellent answers. This turned out as a great podcast, and I think everyone will enjoy it. So without further ado, Alan's going to be joining us virtually. Let's go ahead, get him online. Y'all sit back and enjoy. So, Mr. Alan, if you could, please tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Alan Bridges. I live in Lexington, Georgia. It's about 20 miles due east of Athens, home of the University of Georgia and the Georgia By God Bulldogs. We are in northeastern Georgia. It'd be the land that we have would be considered Piedmont. But uh, about me, I've been coon hunting since I was about 15. And uh, so I've been hunting about 30 years. And uh, I hunt English dogs, but uh, I've recently, uh, we're going to, I guess we're going to talk about this today. Uh, I've recently started hunting out of a boat and it is by far my favorite way to hunt. A little more about me. I am the president of the North Georgia Houndsman Association and uh, we have about 300 members in it and we sponsor the Peach Classic coon hunt every March, and it's probably the largest UKC hunt in the state of Georgia to date. Well, not to date, but right now. So, you're on the uh, coon hunting conversations group, right? Yeah, I'm an admin there. Uh, Steve Fielder and I uh, run that thing. It's growing. It's a place where hunters or or ham fanciers can go on Facebook and ask questions and get answers, legitimate answers from from other houndsmen and women without the claws coming out. 
we're going to be ladies and gentlemen on that page. Uh, we don't allow any kind of, I don't know, I guess the word I'm looking for is vitriol. It, we're not going to allow anybody to be ugly to one another there. And so it's just a place you can log on and go in and have a conversation about hounds and hunting and find some information and, and hopefully engage and, and exchange ideas and share some stories. Yeah, so the reason I kind of asked, they call you the sheriff on there. Why is that? <laughs> well, I'm the one that uh, when a Garmin ad pops up, you know, somebody trying to sell a Garmin, they get the axe. I don't warn them. I don't, you know, we don't sell or trade dogs. I'm the one that gets to play the bad cop. And I'm fine with that. It's just, you know, it's pretty easy to get in there. And if you follow the rules, it's really easy to stay. But if you don't follow the rules, it's the, and you, you get the ejection seat pretty quick. And that's why they call me the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, so don't be on there posting your promo code for superior light. So that's how we actually got linked up together was, um, yeah. And so with the podcasts and, and the, any kind of thing that's, uh, you know, hounds and XP, Steve's new podcast, your podcast, Tyler, and there's a couple of other ones and, and there's some YouTube channels that we allow on there. They're really more talking about things to do to help other hunters. And we do allow advertisements for, for coon hunts for, you know, it doesn't matter what registry it is. If you want to post a hunt that's coming up, then we will allow that. It's one of those deals where the first time that you advertise the, the discount code for the light, I, I, you, you hadn't done anything like that before and, and you had advertised this podcast, you know, several times. And I, you know, Within reason, I, I don't have a problem with reaching out and saying, "Hey, uh, we we just don't do that here." We, you know, and I and I really appreciate you putting your podcast on there because I enjoy listening to it, and, and I'm sure other houndsmen do too. But you know, for the folks that are out there trying to rip somebody off with a Garmin, they're not going to stay. Yeah, and I completely understand, you know, why you wouldn't want that on there, and I, you know, look, it's your group. If that's what you want. I enjoy the group just being on it, you know, because I get on there and post stuff and I like to read some of the conversations. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to get kicked off by no means. Uh, oh, no, no. I, and that was not my intent when I, when I messaged you. I was just like, let's not do that again. Advertise your podcast. Great. Cause people, people can get, you know, they can get good information from it, but uh, use your podcast advertisement on the Coon Hunting Conversations page as a platform to advertise what you want, whatever you want to advertise once people get to your podcast. Yes, sir. And I completely understand. I appreciate you. I appreciate the way that you approach that. You didn't come at it. Uh, how do I say you didn't come at me? Um, no, I, I, you know, I know what you mean. I, I was, I wasn't trying to be ugly yeah. and I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to, to, to put you on the defensive. Yep. Uh, you know, I was, I was just merely trying to say, Hey, we just don't do, we just don't do that here. Yeah. And, and I you know, completely understand. And I appreciate you reaching out and being professional as you were. <laughs> but that's, so that's how me and Alan came about this. And we start talking. I noticed he liked to hunt out of a boat. I like to hunt out of a boat. There's not really that many people that hunt out of a boat. And I was like, 
you know, do you want to do this with me? Because this is one podcast that I'm actually going to kind of give my opinion on because there's not really that many people that do it, but a lot of people are really interested in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, you know, I have always heard of folks hunting out of a boat, and I never did it until earlier this year. And it quickly became my preferred way to go coon hunting. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's, I mean, that's for sure, man. I agree with you 100%. The way that I came about hunting out of a boat was, uh, I'm a farmer in, in Northeast Georgia and I'm 45 years old and I've never joined a hunting club of any kind until last year. The cities are getting bigger. There are more and more people. They're, they're wanting to move out into the communities that, you know, folks like us grew up in. And they don't understand our lifestyle. They think it's all blue sky and, and fresh air. And they don't like to hear gunshots. They don't like to hear dogs barking at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and they get upset. And there was a track of land that I've been hunting for nearly 30 years. And we always called it the honey hole. You could go in there on any given night and see 10 or 12. Uh, either sitting up, and I'm, I never treed that many in there because I just, you know, it was it was probably 200 acres of land, and and you know once the dogs get going through there, it's, it they won't stay on the property long enough. But but the way it was laid out, you could, you know, I've hunted a two-hour cast over there many many times, and I lost that lease on that land just due to I want to call it urban sprawl. And so that kind of left me looking for places to go. I mean, I've got plenty of private land to to still hunt, but that was my favorite place that I've ever coon hunted. It's it's almost like Indiana hunting in Georgia. And I put a lot of effort into making it that way. So when I lost that property to hunt, I went to looking for other places to hunt. And lo and behold, I realized that there were thousands of acres in my state of public land that you can go hunt on. But a lot of it you can't drive to. So I got to looking for a boat to get there. And uh, I got one. And, man, since this past spring, I probably hunt public land 90% of the time and private land 10% of the time. Yeah, and so I'll talk about, you know, why I hunt out of a boat. It's different than why you do. You know, I mean, we have where I live now, we're, we're extremely fortunate to have the amount of land that we do public land. You know, you got the DeSoto national forest, you got Red Creek WMA, Leaf River WMA, Pascagoula River WMA, just, just to name a few. I mean, so you have plenty of land to hunt, but it's not always the best. So when we, when me and my wife moved down here, I was like, man, they ain't, I mean, I'm gonna be walking in thickets all the time. The DeSoto national. Well, I found out this WMA not far from the house there's a section of it that you can't access. It's like 20,000 acres of river bottom that comes into an island. A creek's on one side and then big rivers on the other side. Well, people actually... Yeah, you showed me the satellite image of it. So a lot of people run deer dogs on there. What they do, they actually have a barge tied up at the boat land and they'll float their foliage across. It has trails on it once you get over there to it. You got to have a boat to get to it. Well, nobody ever really coon hunts over there. So 
I figured out, man, I'll just load this dog up and we're going to go hunting. So I had a nitro bass boat before we moved down here and I had a duck boat, but uh, I had sold it. And I said, you know what? I need to trade this nitro in. I don't have nowhere to keep it. So I'm buying me an aluminum boat. So, and I guess that's, that's why I hunt out of boat just to get to better hunting. You know, we have plenty of hunting. It's not always the best, but we're fortunate in that aspect to be able to, to have places to hunt. Cause I know it's a big problem for a lot of people. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, our sport is suffering from lack of access. You know, like I said, that there's more and more people moving out farther and farther from the town. And I've said this several times on, on a couple of different podcasts in the mid nineties, when I was in high school, I could go to the end of my driveway and I could, if you were looking at a map, you could draw a circle all the way around out five miles and I could go hunting for every night for a month and make three or four drops a night and never turn loose in the same place twice and never be more than five miles from my house. Can't do that now. And it was all private land. Yeah. And that's a shame, man. It really is. It's killing the sport, like you said. And this would be a whole other podcast, but, but as hunters, we've got to be engaged with our politicians. We've got to dictate to them how important it is, how important our lifestyle is to to what we do every day and, and, and how we live. And we've got to explain to these people because they don't know. You know, this is what we do. This is our tradition. And in, and in my state, I'm very fortunate to have a Department of Natural Resources that tries to cover all its bases and, and afford everybody an opportunity. You know, we may not get to hunt when exactly when we want to, but there are plenty of places in Georgia that you can still go and hunt most of the year. We can free cast dogs year round and some public land we can hunt year round. Other WMAs, we have a, we have a certain season that we can hunt. Uh, I know you said like in Mississippi, you have to have a special permit to hunt during turkey season on some public land. We get August the 1st to March 19th, I think, this this coming year, to hunt on public land as far as state-managed land. Now, there's some federally-managed land that you can't go on, and there's some other federally-managed land that you can hunt 365 days a year. Yeah, I know, like here, like you're talking about uh, the national force, actual national force, federal not the, uh, you know, WMAs, you know, you can hunt it year round. Doesn't matter. But you go over, like I used to duck hunt a lot and we duck hunt on Mississippi river at St. Catherine's refuge. Well, that's a, a national wildlife refuge. It's federally owned and dude, it is loaded with canes and you can only coon hunt it for 28 days, February 1st yep. to February 28th. And that is crazy yep. to me. I mean, yep. uh, we've got some spots like that, that it's, it's archery deer hunting only. Yeah. And then when small, when, when deer season's over, you can hunt that land. You got about six weeks you can hunt it. And when you go in there, you can't take a rifle. You have to hunt with a shotgun and, uh, nothing 
larger than number four shot because if, if you had buckshot in there, they're afraid you're going to take a deer at night. But uh, those particular spot that I'm talking about, it's loaded with raccoons. I mean, it is loaded. Yeah, and most and, places like that are. And so I, I I took several. I mean, I don't kill a whole lot of raccoons during my hunting season. I it, I have to work to find somebody to, to use. My wife would rather go hungry than eat a raccoon, and the hides are not worth anything. So <laughs> I feel you I, there. <laughs> personally i enjoy eating them they're pretty good to me but uh you know i i don't think that i'm gonna kill one clean one cook one and then eat the whole thing by myself it, it would it would take a it would take several several meals to do that yeah and even and even though i like them i do prefer a ribeye yeah i feel you there <laughs> so Let's let's talk about let's talk about our setups. What what type okay. of boats that we have? So what do you have? I've got a sixteen foot Carolina skiff. It's a fiberglass boat. It's got a forty horse Honda four stroke motor on it. I've got a fifty five pound thrust Minkota I pilot trolling motor. And the reason I put that on there is so I could stand at the console and run the motor with a remote control. It's real quiet. The outboard's real quiet too. If you are in gear and at idle and just moving along real slow, you can hear the dogs work over the engine. You know, if they're not in there a mile, half a mile, three quarters of a mile, a mile away from you. Uh, it's real quiet. Um, and you know, since I was a teenager, I always wanted a, a skiff and I found one that suited me and in the price range that I wanted to pay for it. And the reason I wanted to skip is because it'll get in real skinny water. And what I mean by that, I, I think I can be floating in about eight inches of water. I use that, you know, but the, that, that's how my setup is. I, and when, when I take my dogs out on it, I don't put any dog boxes or anything on. There's just not enough room on that boat, but my dogs handle really well. And a lot of times, if it's me and my dog, the dog will be sitting on the seat behind the console with me. And, you know, I'll just ease along the bank. And if they win one, I'll just, you know, beach the boat, tell them to go on and they'll jump off the seat and go hunting. You know, I have, I have, uh, put a kennel on there before and it just takes up so much room. The difference for me hunting out of a boat out of a boat versus hunting out of a side by side is when you're on the water you know you become extremely aware of the dry places you have versus the wet places <laughs> that's out there uh and and you become extremely aware of how much room you don't have that you're used to having when you're hunting on dry land and so when I say that, if you put a kennel on my boat, then you can't move around hardly at all. It's it's in the way. And and so we just we take the leash and we leash them up. I usually hunt with a friend of mine because I don't I don't like to go to the water by myself. It's just it's it's dangerous. But uh, I'll leash them up to my console, and my buddy will usually sit in front of it and hold his dog. 
and you know two people and two dogs that boat does really well i have put four people and three dogs on the boat and it worked just fine it was just it's probably a little more weight than i was comfortable with in terms of getting through the water you know i don't i don't think that boat well the boat is rated for the weight that i had on it but but it just didn't it was you know when we were changing places instead of getting over there at 18 or 20 miles an hour we were getting over there at eight or ten and when you hunt out of a boat you become very aware of how much things weigh your space is limited and pay a lot more attention to the weight of what everything weighs yeah i agree with that so with my setup see you've got a fiberglass boat if you had a fiberglass boat where I hunt at, you would sink pretty quick, <laughs> you know, because I mean, I'm hunting in a, you know, you hunt in a lake, right? I'll hunt lakes, uh, uh, rivers. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm not going to get in, in some, I don't know, I guess you'd call them bayous there. Uh, I'm not going to get in a bayou with a lot of cypress knees. Yeah. And even if I did, if, uh, with my boat, if you're going slow, yeah, and just easing along, if you bump into a stump, you're gonna not hurt it. Which I mean, uh, and you can knock a hole in a in an aluminum boat too. You know, what I mean, I'm not saying that you can't. Yeah. You know, you have to be safe with all of them. So, I, I have a 2016 1648 flat bottom all weld with a. Uh, Yamaha 25 horsepower four stroke. If my wife's listening to this, I need to upgrade to a 40. I got a side console <laughs> <laughs> and I have a three inch raised transom in the back. I don't have a, not like a jack plate. It's actually welded on to be a raised mm-hmm. transom. And I got a light bar on the bow. And you were talking about securing your dog. I don't, I don't keep a kennel on mine. And this is something that I really struggle with. You know, and we're going to talk about this later about hunting a, experienced dog out of boat versus one that's never did it you know you get one that's never done it and they they kind of freak out a little bit well that you're right they do especially where we put in at the will a lot of the places that that i hunt will have a boat ramp and they'll have a they'll have a dock and it's a floating dock and they're fine until they get on that floating dock then you might as well just pick them up and set them on the boat usually once i get them on the boat they're fine uh, and it takes about, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, a young dog that's going hunting good or an experienced dog. If they've never been on a boat, that first 10 or 15 minutes, they're kind of wondering, you know, what are you doing to me? And then, then they realize, man, this is pretty fun. So, uh, I've, I've, you know, until, until last spring, none of my dogs had been on a boat. And, and now every dog that I take, I mean, they love it. It took almost no time to get them used to it. Nine-year-old dogs, two-year-old dogs, it didn't matter. Once they got that whiff of a raccoon, you know, 30 feet from the bank, they didn't care. And, you know, I just cut the motor, you know, put it in neutral, and, man, they'll swim to the bank. But I'm being 20 feet of water, two feet of water, they don't care. They're going. And so... The first few times, maybe getting them to walk down the dock that's kind of bouncing and they're not used to that, that was the biggest obstacle for me. 
and and now, man, the, they are dragging you to the boat. Even you know, broke dogs that know how to heal, they want to get on it. Yeah, and I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm pretty positive your boat's probably uh, more stable in the water, being it's fiberglass, of course. I mean, um, well, you know, it 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 is pretty stable, but but I'm a big guy. I'm about six two, about two fifty, and you know, I can get on the edge right there and, well, I get off that gunnel getting real close to getting wet. Yeah. So, 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 uh, but, but I hadn't had that happen. You just got to be careful. You, you've got to, you know, safety's got to be the, the most important thing that you do while you're out there. Yeah. You can die. Quick. I mean, and no, quick. nobody ever find you. That, that's right. But the way that I, I secure one, not not one that I've been hunting for, for a while out of boat. The boy that I'm partners with on a couple of dogs, he hunts out of boat lot too. So they get it from both sides. But I got, I welded me some eye bolts. I'm not welded them, but I drilled them and put a washer behind them in the front. And I got a little chain coming off there. But the reason I don't like to do that is, and I know I shouldn't worry about the dog, but I mean, if something was to happen, that boat flips over. That dog doesn't have a chance. That dog's going to drown. No, that's right. You know, and I struggle with that a lot, you know, because, I mean, I'm not – if that boat flips, I'm not going to be able to get a, get that dog out. You know, I mean, if it, if it can get out itself, if it's not, you know, latched up. I think if you're being really conscious about how you operate that boat, I, I think that you, you're going to be fine. If you sink a boat, you know, you were – I say this, and the next time I get out on the water, it'll happen to me. But if you're being really conscious, and you know the and you know the water that you're on, um, and, and granted, things change. I mean, you yeah. get a big rain, you get trees washed, you know, all all kinds of stuff happens. But but if you're being really conscious of what you're doing, I keep a spotlight on my boat. I've got I've got LEDs on the front, but but I keep a spotlight on there and, and so just so I could shine at night. And, you know, coon hunters like to fuss about a full moon. You know, coons don't look, they, you know, they act different. When I'm on a boat, I love a full moon because you don't have to turn any lights on. You can see where you're going and you can see a lot of debris or whatever in the water too. But if you're being really careful and, and paying attention to what you're doing and operating that boat at, the appropriate speed, the chances of you sinking that boat are slim. And so even if that does happen, you know, we can't replace you. And we may love that dog, but we can replace a dog. You cannot replace yourself to that, to your family. That is the most important thing is that we stay safe. And then right behind that is the safety of our dog. Yeah. But if, if you're responsible and you're paying attention and you're not running that boat just as hard as it'll go right up into that cove and and all of a sudden you go from 20 feet of water to three feet of water and hit a stump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if and you're running that boat as hard as it'll go, I, I, I feel like that if you just, you know, you're taking your time, that that's the main thing. You do not need to get in a hurry. If your dog's treed, he'll be there when you get there. Yeah, and I, I agree. So, and most places that we're hunting out of these boats, you don't have to worry about highways. Yeah, 
you're right. There's no, I mean, especially, I know where I hunt, sure. I mean, there's no reason to have to get in a hurry about a dog. No, you know? not at all. Not not even for a little bit. <clears throat> um, and this summer, hunting on some of these lakes that I hunt on, I actually, I've been, you know, I said it at the beginning of the podcast, I, I've been hunting for about 30 years. I've never, ever had a dog get snake bit. I had two get snake bit this summer on the same track of land. And I heard it both times they got bit. And uh, fortunately, they were copperheads. And in three or four days, the dog was fine. Yeah. See, I don't even hunt. Where where I hunt out of a boat, I don't even hunt during the summer. And we talked about this because 25% of Mississippi's alligator population is where I coon hunt out of boat at. So, and dogs get eat up during the winter too. And the big oxbows and everything, they get eat up, you know, Sad sabers. It's got to be down in the twenties for alligators to be yeah. really, really lazy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I got friends in, in south of me that that get them caught every year. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate. Do not have alligators where I am. Yeah. And you are. And so, uh, but I got plenty of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so sometimes I'd, I'd almost rather see an alligator than I had, had a snake. Yeah. Uh, there's three kinds of snakes. There's dead snakes, live snakes, and rubber snakes. And if you try to put either, any of the three on me, we've got a problem. Fire. <laughs> so to you, what would be the first thing? So let me back up. This guy, you know, he's listening to this podcast. He says, man, you know, that sounds awesome. I want to get into hunting out of boat. I got a good spot over here. I think I can really really tree some coons the first most important thing that that guy can get in your opinion uh you know what he can get uh or what he can you know the the first thing that that person needs well that person needs to have some experience uh in a boat whether he's he or she has experience driving a boat or riding in a boat they they need to not you know never have been in a boat before and i'll say this being in a boat in the daytime and being in a boat at nighttime are two totally different things the first thing they need to do is is go with somebody that knows what they're doing that has done it before don't i would never recommend somebody oh well this sounds pretty cool I'm going to go get a, my buddy's boat over there and, and we're going to go to the river. We're going to go to the lake and we're going to go to this spot over here and, and we're going to go hunting. That's the recipe for disaster if they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it, and you know, this is the first boat that, that I've ever bought, but I've been on the water a lot over, um, over my lifetime. I mean, it, it, I should have been born with webbed feet. Get some experience. Get it under your belt. This is this is something that's super fun, but can also be, if you're not careful, super dangerous. And so, my recommendation: the first thing they need to get is some experience with somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah, and and I I completely, one hundred percent agree with what you just said. And I actually didn't have that for my answer. And and you knock that out the park because that that to me that is the most important thing and and you you're like me you know i grew up 
on a boat. Can't tell you how many times I've been running trout lines on the river at night. You know, I just grew up, I mean, you know, on a boat. I've owned multiple boats. I'm, my family's always on boats. I've always driven boats. But I don't get complacent. You know, even though I'm 27, I've probably been on a boat for 20 years since I was seven. I don't get complacent, you know. You can't. You'll wake up dead. You will. Yeah, wake up dead. That's right. <laughs> so that what I put, I always, I thought the most important thing would be for the person to have a reliable boat. Uh, well, that that would come in. That would come in a close second. But experience is yeah. is going to be key. And I agree. I agree with uh, you. That is the 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 most important thing. And that that was me being. That was me thinking from my perspective. From already having experience. You know, what was the first thing that I would need would be a reliable boat, you know. But, yeah, you're right. For a guy that had never did it, he really – and like you said, running a river at night or running a lake at night is a lot different. It's like casting so, a fishing pole at night. I don't know how many people have ever tried to do that, but it is not the same at all. It is not the same. <laughs> I mean, it is completely <laughs> different, and especially if you don't want to turn the so, light on. In Georgia, we have an alligator season, too, and and but it's a, it's a quote. It's a lottery, so – it, it'll take you about five years to draw a tag. And so being on the lake at night coon hunting, we, we got uh, some south of me, we got some really big rivers. Uh, the the river that we went hunting on for alligators was the Altamaha. And it's probably about 300 yards wide. I don't even know how deep it was. But that river was full. It was it was just below flood stage when we got a chance to go. And when the water's up, the alligators are pretty well dispersed. But uh, that totally different experience than what you would get from hunting on a lake. Yeah, and and I hunt. You know, I'll be the first one to admit I hunt off of on the creek side by myself, which creek's small. It's kind of shallow in some places, so you got to be on plane. You know, that's your biggest worry is is getting hung up. But I know last year I took me and my dog, went by ourselves, went down the river, and that river is big. I mean, it's not a small river. And I got out on it, and I was running on plane. You know, I wasn't running wide open, but I was up on plane. It's a deep river. You know, I'm running, and we're headed back to the landing, and I hit something. Well, I, I never slacked up. You know, I said, well, if she's going to sink, she's going to sink at the dock, you know, at the at the boat launch. You know, I know if I stay on yep. the plane that I'm not going to take on water. If I did knock a hole in it, and, and you don't have to run wide open to be on plane. I don't know if people don't realize that. You know, you can just hammer down on it, then let back when you get, you know. So, And a big thing about getting your boat up on plane is you'll learn, too, if for the folks that, that don't know, is is weight. Yep. Distribution in your boat. You can't have everybody sitting on the bow. No. To get to get your boat up on plane. No. I don't care how big your motor is. <laughs> so uh weight distribution, total weight and and uh knowing what your boat can handle. I mean and, and that all goes back to experience. Yeah. So so but yeah, you, you get it up on plane, you you, you run a lot less risk of of something bad happening, but you don't have to run seventy miles no. to be on plane. No. My boat, my boat will plane out at about twelve. Yeah, and and I'm gonna let that be known right now. You know that you don't have to be running wide open. So, what would be 
let's say this guy's got experience. He's been hunting with his buddy. He's got a reliable boat. Or, or what's the next thing that this person should get? You're going to laugh when I say this, Tyler, but the, the next thing you need to remember when you get ready to go hunting out of a boat is to put the plug in. I, I, and it's, it may sound funny and it may sound like I'm, I'm being jovial about it, but I'm, I'm not. I actually put my boat in one night and forgot to put the plug in. And so I, I fortunately it was still on the trailer. <laughs> so, I mean, that would ruin your, that would, that could ruin your night real fast. So I always remember to put the plug in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, it happens to everybody. If it hadn't happened to you, you hadn't been using the boat long enough. That's right. I mean, I've done it. You know I mean? I've launched boat with the plug out of it and, uh, launching a boat with the, the straps still hooked to it, you know, or try to yeah. do something, you know I mean? You get in a rush, something, things happen, man. But that's the kind of stuff people need to, uh, look out yeah. for. So you don't get, in a, if you get in a hurry, it's going to cost you money. Yeah. And another thing is if you are not a boat mechanic and you own a boat, you soon will be a boat mechanic. Yeah. You, most certainly will. So my second thing or my next thing would be to have a, a high quality life jacket, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. And one that's going to, when I say high quality, I mean, something that's going to keep your head above water. If you become incapacitated, you know, that's right. Uh, um, yeah. A lot of these life jackets that you see in the stores and all, they're not, they're not made for that. You know, they're, uh, no, no. they're just, they're going to float you, you need- face down. You need one that's going to, when you hit the water, if you are unconscious, you need one that's going to roll you over on your back yep. and, and, and keep you floating yeah. and keep, and keep you above water. Yeah. You know, I know maybe you heard in the Ryland Creek episode, I was telling him about how I wear the one with the personal locator in it. Yeah. You, and, and, and when I heard that, I was like, you know, I probably ought to get one. Of those. Yeah. I mean, and it, God forbid something ever did happen, but. If it was to happen, I think at least my family would be able to at least find my body. You know, that's the way I look at it. Well, even if you're on a big body of water and your life jacket did what it was supposed to and kept you face up and you you have a much better chance of being recovered alive. Yeah, you're right. And so, but you don't even have to go that far, especially if you're hunting at night. I would say, you know, they make water activated lights, strobe lights. Uh-huh. You know, just something to, because I mean, an EPIRB, I mean, those are, I mean, they're not real, real expensive, but they're they're kind of pricey. I mean, but I mean, if somebody just want a water activated strobe light, hook on to yep. your vest or, you know, and this is the offshore coming out in me, a whistle on your vest, you know, because all of our life jackets out there have to have a whistle attached to them, but that's to signal, mm-hmm. you know, if something does yeah. happen. But yeah, I, I just. And I know you like to go or. I don't say I don't want to say like to go, but I know you go by yourself on on a regular basis. Another thing is take a buddy. Yeah, you know, there there I've got folks that do not hunt with hounds, but they like to go. And you tell them, say, "Hey, man, I'm fixing to go to the lake tonight," and you've got a hook right there. Well, what are we gonna do at the lake? Well, we're gonna go coon hunting. Can you go coon hunting at the lake on a boat? Man, that'll be fun. Okay, so you got a buddy, and so you know, I if you can take someone with you, that could be a big difference in safety, you know, part. 
Yeah. But yeah, you know, experience a reliable boat. Don't forget to put the plug in the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it sounds funny. Yeah, you're right. But, but uh, you know, quality life jacket. And if you can, take a buddy with you. Um, it will change the way you think about hunting with hounds. Yeah. So next on the list, I had for my, my third thing was kind of what you touched on as far as bringing a buddy with you. But mine was because I hunt alone. I know I I shouldn't. I hate I don't hate the fact that I do because I love to do it. But I do hunt alone. You know, I'm whatever. If you judge me for doing that, I mean, I'm sorry. Kind of the way that I look at it. I'm safe about it, whatever, you know, I try to take all the precautions that I can. I do bring people with me when I, when I can, but the the third thing to me is to let someone know where you're going and, and don't think that they're able to just track your cell phone because it, they can't track it if it doesn't have service. Right. So that's right. I can't stress that enough is text, text someone if possible and let them know exactly where you're going to put in at, where you're going to be hunting at. I've said this before, if I told my wife, hey, I'm going down here, you know, if I just told her, hey, I'm going down here to coon hunt, wherever, she ain't going to know. But if she has that text message to be able to reference back to and say, look, this is where he told me he was at. He's not here. Yep. You know, he hadn't come home. You know, so. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I do with my wife. Well, where are you going tonight? And I'll tell her the, the location that I'm going to. She has no idea where that is. Yep. And, but she also knows that even though she doesn't know where it is, she can tell someone that that's what I told her I was going to do and someone can find it. Yeah. And so what would you say? What's your third thing? You know, now we're getting, we're getting to the point where we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit. So we got experience. We got a reliable boat. We've got the plug in the boat. We've got a good life jacket. And, and we've told someone where we're going. We got, we've got a buddy and we've told someone where we're going. The next thing I think that you need to do is go to a place where you have an opportunity to tree coon. There are places that, that I can take you tonight that we will have zero chance of catching any game. And there are places that I could take you and we might get three or four. You need to know where you want to go. Uh, and you need to know, once you get off of the water, you need to know the land area that you're hunting. And so all of this is going to boil back down to what I said to begin with is experience. On the weekend, take your girlfriend, take your buddy, take your wife, and just ride around on the water in the daytime and say, you know, that spot over there, that looks like a place I need to go look at. And then you pull up to the bank and you walk through it. I mean, it, coon hunting is like any other hunting sport. You know, you, you're not successful just by, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And you go and you just go to it and you just show up to a spot and you cast a dog. Or, I mean, if you want to kill a big buck, you go scout it out, find him. You know, same thing with, with coon hunting. If you want to have success in tree and coons, you go find a spot that, that has three things. Food, shelter, water. We're hunting out of a boat, so obviously we're going to have water. We need to be hunting in a spot that's not a desert, that, that doesn't have any, that doesn't have anything for the, 
for the game to eat. But probably, I think, this might be getting a little bit off topic, but I think one of the most important things that, that we as coon hunters overlook is is shelter for for the animals. Uh, you know, den trees. They have nowhere to den. They're not going to stay there. I don't care how much food there. They will travel a long way to eat food. That area will not hold game in, in terms of, of, of reckoning. You know, I've never thought about that, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess, just like anything else. I mean, if you got a deer, if you got a wide open river bottom swamp, they ain't nowhere for that deer to bed. It probably ain't going to, it might come in there to eat the acorns. Yep. You know, but he's going to go back somewhere else to bed. Yeah. To a cutover to bed. Yep. I mean, and so I never thought about that. That's good. I've never thought about that. I mean, hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'd say, I'd say denning areas for raccoons is probably as important is water well i don't know if you talked if you listened to the uh one with the ryland creek guy mr joseph oh yeah i listened to him. how he was talking about his dad was actually one of them that put forth to have the uh den trees for coons marked as second use trees you know That's right and that i thought that was really cool and he actually talked about that in his book too or one of his books what kind of gear do you bring with you? You know, I don't know if you saw the other night about the first aid kit with my dog and all. I was just wondering, what do you bring with you on the boat? What do I bring? Um, we're pretty, uh, to be honest, I, I need to put a first aid kit together for me and my dog. But, uh, you know, I'm usually about 45 minutes from home. And so normally what I take with me is what I would normally take on a night that I hunted here on my farm. You know, whatever I'm going to be wearing, my light, my tracking system, my dog. Usually when, when something bad happens, it's a, it's a freak kind of thing. And I, and I probably should be better prepared. You know, the pro sport thing that's come out, you know, they got, they got a guy with them that's got first aid kit for people, first aid kit for dogs, and all the way down to water and baby powder for if, in case somebody gets galled. And that actually, I, Never, I've always hunted so close to home that I never even thought about doing stuff like that. But the older I get, the more the more uh, I think about it, and, and I'll be putting a first aid kit together, you know. But as far as as what I would put in it right now, I that's a question that that I'm probably not ready to answer. So I pack. <laughs> I probably go overboard with this. I pack a lot when I'm in a boat, especially. I bring, I bring enough stuff to wear. <laughs> If my boat broke down, I had to stay that night. You know, I don't bring like a tent and everything, but I got like a little survival blanket and all that in my bag. That way, if I had to stay there overnight, you know, I would be okay to stay there till somebody could come and get me. Because I don't, I don't expect them to come get me that night. If my boat was to break down, you know, I'm always thinking well, probably daylight when they come. You haven't said that would lead me to say, make sure you have a trolling motor. Yeah. And, uh, make sure you have a battery charger. You got to charge battery before you go to, go to the water. Uh, it may take you two hours to get back to the boat landing, traveling at two miles an hour, but you can get back. Yeah. And even if you can't get back to the boat landing, you can get to land. And, you know, regardless of anything else, if you could probably build a fire yeah. to keep warm. Yeah, and I got I got if enough. You can get the land. Yeah, and I got like a fire starting kit. I have that. 
you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, I can't rub two sticks together and make a fire. <laughs> I mean, I just, oh, no, you know, me and, and I do, I do have a trolling motor on my boat and I'm bad about, I'll be honest, I'm bad about not, you know, because I got the quick detach, Minn Kota, which I don't have an iPod mm-hmm. or nothing. Got a 45 thrust, 12 volt, but I'm bad about not putting it on there during coon hunting season. You know, when I'm not fishing, yeah. I'll just take it off. But like you said, I leave mine on there year round. Yeah. And, and just, and that is one of the precautions I do take is, you know, if my motor does mess up, yeah, I've got a way to get back to the boat launch. Yeah. And it, it, it may not be pretty and it may take me a long time to get back, but I can probably get back if I have a charged battery and, and a trolling motor. Yeah. Well, if it comes down to that, I'm about to pull the battery. Yeah, you know, I got two batteries. I'm about to pull the other one off too. You know, if it takes me getting yeah, back. And one other thing beyond that, make sure you got a boat paddle. Yeah, mm-hmm. A couple of them, and a good yeah. one. Kenton University is brought to you by Superior Light Company. Use coupon code CHU Podcast at checkout at NightHunters.com. If you're in the market for a new light, do not overlook Superior. They make the best light in the business. The Hellcat Max Flat Dark Earth Edition is awesome. Comes standard with the new and improved high-intensity green laser. Comes standard with the newest design and dual walking light modules, offering the brightest walking lights currently available on the market, bar none. And it comes with your choice of red or true amber or double red color module technology. The Hellcat Max new module design reduces weight without sacrificing burn time or brightness, resulting in an overall weight of just 20 to 24 ounces depending on your cap selection the hellcat max offers the newest battery technology which allows for five hours of continuous main beam burn time on the highest setting and over 10 hours of highest auxiliary light settings all controls can be found on one easy nine positions click switch and all superior lights come with a two-year warranty are made right here in the usa so check out superior lights use coupon code chu podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com. Thank you to Mr. Jamie, Mr. Sam at Superior Lights for supporting Coonan University Podcast and making this podcast possible. So I ask all the listeners, if you could, please go over there and support Superior Lights. Use the exclusive discount code that is only available to Coonan University Podcast listeners, CHU Podcast. Superior, step up to the max. Now, back to the show. Yes, and make sure it floats when you drop it, because you probably will drop it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, a good paddle. I mean, a lot of paddles, you know, I'm bad about it. I got a collapsible paddles, which, I mean, they they would work. They're not as good as having a wooden paddle. It's hard to store a wooden paddle. But it's, you know, it's it's back to that thing. I mean, you got to be prepared for that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you do at least. And you have, and a fire extinguisher. You got to have a fire extinguisher. Yep. On your, it, it, my state requires a fire extinguisher, on, but it, it sounds counterintuitive. But if you're out in 100 feet of water, a half a mile from the bank, and your boat catches on fire, you are in trouble. Yep, you are. If you can't, if you can't put it out, yeah. if you can put the fire out, you may not have a motor left, but you're floating. Yeah, and I don't know about y'all. We have to have an air horn with us. No, we don't have to have an air horn. Yeah, we do in Mississippi. You have to have an air horn, and you have to have a throwable PFD as well as your life jackets. No, we don't have to have those here. Okay. We just got to have a life jacket for every person that's on your boat. Okay. And a fire extinguisher. And a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. If you get pulled, if the, if the game warden stops you out on the lake or on the river 
and you don't have a fire extinguisher, you are getting a ticket. Yeah. And it don't matter if you're breaking any laws or not. You, if you don't have a fire extinguisher, he's going to write you a ticket. And it's, I promise you, the fire extinguisher is going to be cheaper than the ticket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. They like to get their money. So, I don't know. Have you ever hunted with a t- tiller handle? Yes. Okay. I got a friend that's got a tiller handle boat. So, and, uh, so we both have side consoles. Or yours is a center console or side console? Mine's a center. Okay. Well, I have a side console, uh-huh. so we'll have we'll be able to draw a contrast there. Let's talk about because I've hunted with people out with a tiller, you know, and I've drove a tiller my whole life. But uh, let's talk about the differences. What do you think the pros and cons of each are? The pros for the tiller steer is going to be there's more room in your boat, and one of the things that I was talking about earlier was you know, you have limited space. The cons for a tiller steer is as long as you're driving, you are constantly holding pressure with your arm. Your arm's going to get tired. Uh, that, you know, it, it's generally made for you to use one arm to, to drive that boat with. And that would be the biggest con for a tiller steer is it's just wear and tear on you. Uh, in terms of a side console, you don't have as much room as you do with a tiller steer but there's still more room for you to use than than it would be for a center console and right now i've got a center console and having said all that i'm having a hard time coming up with some pros for for a center console boat other than you're going to be standing up while you're driving most of the time with a center console and and so your line of sight would probably be a little better, but it's going to be the most restrictive in terms of space in your boat because that console in the middle just, I mean, it just stops everything up in, in terms of getting around on there and what you can put on there. Well, uh, a pro for me for a center console, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, would be back to weight distribution. Yeah, weight distribution. It yeah, you're not sitting on the side of the boat. You're sitting in the middle of the boat. Yeah. weight distribution would be would be a big thing. Well, um, and, but I might would give up a little bit of weight distribution for a little bit more room. Yeah, yeah, and and I could see. Yeah, I mean, so what I had was for a tiller, and I know your buddy. He he has a mud buddy, so you, you can stand up and drive that. Yes, you can. So, but I was thinking more of a. As far as like if you had a 25 horsepower tiller four stroke, you can't stand up and drive it. I actually stand up and drive my side console. You know, I'll just get it on plane, just stand Mm -hmm. up and drive. (laughs) I mean, but, uh, that, that was my big, my big con to a tiller, but you can, man, you can maneuver that tiller handle a lot quicker, you know, and you can get in a lot. You can just depending on what kind of motor you have on there. I, I, I bragged on mine about being able to get in skinny water. My buddy with that, oh, my, yeah. my buddy with the with the mud buddy motor, man, he, he he can get in there real real shallow. I'm talking about ankle deep kind of stuff. The the con to that kind of motor is it will wake the dead. Yeah, I agree with that, man. It is. I guess I had one. I just, whew, they're they're bad, but but they're they're good for what you talked about. I mean, they're good for. For for shallow 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 water, they're not good for sand though. I ran mine in sand, and my prop shrunk about half the size. 
<laughs> it sharpened it and shrunk it. But yeah, so that was that was good because I uh, that was good. That was some good uh pros and cons. I'm glad you've been able to hunt out of all of them. So so yeah, I just I mean I, I just I wish I had done this 20 years ago. Yeah, I feel you. It's 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 awesome. So and we're gonna get into more of the coon hunting aspect now. So okay, how do you? approach turning your dogs loose as far as do you let them win or do you just always free cast them what do you do well it depends on how well i know the area if i know the area pretty well and i know what kind of terrain is is inland from where i'm floating i may cast but most of the time my dogs are, are wind and tight hounds anyway most of the time when i turn them loose i'd say seven out of ten times they're, they're striking from the boat and a lot of times when they do that, you cut them and you may be 30, 50 feet off the bank. They swim to the bank and it won't be long and they're treed. And the cool thing about that is many times after they've winded that coon, struck out of the boat and I've cut them loose, I've, I've gone down the edge of the lake or river two or 300, 400 yards and I pull into the bank and I've got a 50-foot walk. Other times, I have free cast those dogs. and I drive around, and I'm lucky to get, you know, three-quarters of a mile from them. But if I know the area when I do that, I don't mind walking that far if if the terrain's good. And I'm not about to walk three-quarters of a mile through briar patches and clear cuts and all that stuff to, to go to a dog tree with a coon if I don't have to. A lot of the land that I hunt, especially the state managed land, they will have roads through there. And if another thing that would be really important to anybody wanting to hunt out of a boat would be uh, an app on your cell phone that's got, um, I don't want to advertise for anybody, but. No, you're good. I mean, you're good. On X, uh, I actually. On, on X, yeah. Hunt Stand, yeah, I, something I, like that. I use Hunt Stands. That's what our hunting club uses for our. But I mean, yeah, Onyx is great. Like, you, I mean, you're good. You can advertise. I don't. And, and, and so, so they'll show that either one of those particular apps will show where, where there may be roads that, that, and they're not paved roads, obviously. They're probably gravel roads, especially in state managed land. And, you know, you could, you can pull up to the bank and you might have a, 50 or 100 yard walk to that road and then once you get to that road you can you know you can really cover some ground and get in there to uh to recover your dog uh so the maggie the female that i'm hunting right now the, i call myself campaigning her i got her i put her in five casts one all five of them and got her made made her night champion and and uh qualified for the tournament of champion and She's the only dog I've been doing this a long time, and she's the only dog I've ever done that with. <laughs> I, I got, you know, I got real lucky with her. She's a nice dog, but I got real lucky with her. The other night, we just free cast her, and she went a mile and a quarter from where I turned her loose. And we probably had, I, pro I was probably able to get three quarters of a mile from her, but uh, once I beached the boat. I walked up the hill probably 200 yards, and there was a gravel road that you could have drove a F-350 dually down, a real clean, flat 
and we walked in there as far as we could on the road and then when we got over to where she was at it, it looked like somebody had taken a stump grinder and cleared a path to the tree that she was on and so it was it was beautiful walking beautiful area and and so it it took us probably 45 minutes round trip you know walking in there to her finding the finding the coon and then walking back to the boat and you know something like that i don't mind uh at all um, in fact I, I probably need the exercise but you know just to free cast a dog into something that you hadn't ever been into i'd bias against it because you you never know that dog's gonna go where the game is if, if they're worth their salt but there might be some some issues that you don't you don't need to put yourself through if you can help it. Yeah, and I completely agree. And as far as you know, not wanting to talk about anything because I advertise, man, I'm not. I'm not like that. I can tell you, I don't. You know, I want to really help people and give them good information. And if it takes plugging up another company that doesn't pay to be on here, that's what it takes. You know, it's just the way that I look at it. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I use Onyx. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. I, I've got a little bit of experience with hunt stand, but I use Onyx. It's it does everything that I need it to do. Yeah, and so uh, it's it's a great app. It's free. You can pay a subscription for it, and it gives you some more stuff. But uh, I, and I pay the I pay the subscription. Yeah, but but it's it's worth every penny, and I even use it on the boat. Like it tells me where I'm at. Or both, I use it on the river. It, it it shows me where I'm at. It shows me whatever whatever's around me, and it's probably cheaper than than buying the Navionics for for my for my depth finder. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so you were talking about turning loose, and I don't I don't ever ever ever, and I don't know why. I just never. And I'm not opposed to it, but I never turn my dog out on a winding coon. I just, it's something about it. I just don't do it. I've had them wind them out the boat and I just keep going. So I kind of developed this approach to it. You know, you're talking about free casting and having to walk a lot. And I know what I do is a little bit different than what you do because I'm hunting out of a lot of rivers and lake. I mean, rivers and creeks, you're hunting more out of the lakes and the occasional river. So First thing that I look for when a place to turn out is I get on that Onyx app or I get on Hunt Stand and I, I look at that creek. I look at it on there or, or that river. What I want to do is I want to find a place to turn loose where the bank isn't steep. Because uh, on the rivers, I mean, the banks are ridiculously steep. And I also don't want to turn loose in the middle of a sandbar because you got to have a super long rope to be able to tie that boat off to to even be able to to cast on that sandbar. So once I'm, you know, found a good spot or whatever. So I'll post a picture of what I do on Facebook after we get done with this, because it's it's kind of hard to picture it in your in your head. So I'll use that satellite map. So say I'm gonna hunt the east side of a river. I want to turn that dog loose in a place that the river bends to the west and cast the dog parallel with the waterway. And I found that that gives the dog sufficient woods to hunt. And if the dog trees, you know, I'm not going to say that it always strikes, you know, within that bend. But a lot of times I found that that'll minimize the amount that you have to walk. 
you know, as opposed to just sending that dog perpendicular to the waterway, you know, just cast them straight in there. Because I mean, I've had, like you said, I mean, I've had them had to walk, you know, especially if you send it, if you're hunting the east side of the river and you cast the dog where the river bends to the east, you know, I mean, you don't realize how much lands in between one of those bends and you could just pull around to the other side. If you're hunting, you know, if you cast it on the west bend, it's, it's hard to picture in your head, but, uh, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I always try to cast them with the, yeah, I try to hunt that dog in the direction that I want to go. Yeah. And the other night, a particular place, I, I tried to do that and they spun around and went exactly the wrong direction. And these dogs handle pretty good, but, uh, once the, my friend's dog actually, she came back like she was supposed to. And my dog, she's really, she, she's really tight on the ground, the one I was hunting the other night. And evidently she had lined the track out and I was trying to tone her to get her to come back and she was gone. And as soon as I hit the tone button on her, she located the trees. She had made it about a hundred yards from the boundary of, uh, of the public land and she was getting close to being on some private land. And so, I was a little bit worried, a little bit upset about that, uh, about having to, you know, get on, get on property that I wasn't supposed to be on. But, but fortunately she, she got that coon treat and we didn't have very much choice of where we had to tie up. And when I got out of the boat, I couldn't walk straight up the hill to get to where she was going. I had to walk around the edge. You couldn't, it, it was so steep where I had to beach the boat. It was, you, you couldn't pull yourself up the hill. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't straight up, but you couldn't walk up. And so I had to walk around that hill. Fortunately, there was a little game trail, but I was still having to hold on to the little sapling to keep from falling in the water. And once I got around that hill, it was, it was pretty good, but, but you got, you know, I try to get them to go in the direction that I want them to go on the edge. And if they, and if they turn off, uh, 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 you know, that's, that's okay. But, but I don't, I never like them when I'm hunting public land to go behind me because generally where I turn loose, if they go behind me, it could be trouble. There's so many things to consider before. And I hope this kind of opens people's eyes to it, you know, because it's the smallest little details that can make a difference in whether that hunt was fun or whether that oh, hunt yeah. was terrible, you know? I mean, yeah, well, whether that hunt was fun or whether that hunt was dangerous. Dangerous, yeah, that not terrible, dangerous. That's a great word for it. Uh, because I mean, they're all fun to me. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'd rather be out, I'd rather be out hunting than than I had watching TV at home, whether I whether I tree a coon or not. Yeah, I can, and, I, and, I agree. But yeah, it was it's I I love hunting out of a boat. It's it's my favorite way to do it now. And I'm kicking myself for not doing it 20 years ago. Yeah. So have you ever took a cast out of a boat? No. Okay. And I, <laughs> it's probably a selfish reason why. Yeah. I uh, when I, when I hunt out of a boat, it's public property. And I've gone through the headache and the trouble of, of finding the spot. And if I take a cast to those spots with GPS today, you know, the next time you get over there, get ready to go to your favorite spot, you know, the people that you took over are liable to be there. 
and and so you know of course you know they have as much right to be there as you do and you can't get upset about that but they'll never be there if you don't tell them where it is so the reason that's that is the main that is the main reason why I haven't taken them out of the boat the number two reason is there's not enough room in my boat to do it yeah you know I did it one time and you know it was a three dog cast and you would probably need a pontoon to do that yeah effectively yeah well and where i was going i can really i don't really have to run down the creek you know i mean i can just go straight across and start hunting so that's pretty much what i did you know i just put put i didn't get up on plane i probably couldn't have got on plane i just barely went across made sure everybody had their life jackets on and we had a great time but you know i come to find that you know, everybody has to agree to do it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In the UKC cast, everyone has to agree that yes, we will hunt out of that boat, right? I, um, I think that's how it goes. I, I've never, I've never, I, I can't answer that question. I, I, I don't know. But generally speaking, the guide is the guide, and and I guess if if somebody didn't want to go on the boat. Then I guess that was, uh, that definitely would throw a wrench in the thing. Yeah, but I that, I can't answer that. I'm 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 usually pretty sharp on the UKC rules, but but that that one that that threw me a curveball there. Yeah. Well, I just know some people aren't going to hunt out a boat. They're scared to death of water, and I completely understand. You know, hey, well, they're in the wrong sport if they're scared of water. I know, but and maybe it's not necessarily the water. It's just being with a strange person on a boat. <laughs> Yeah, but I can, I can, I can agree to that. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just a, the a trust thing, and I understand. I guess if you know, you, if you're the guy and you say, "Hey, we're going over here to river, and there's a big island out there, twenty thousand acres of ground. We got to get on a boat and go across." And the guy says, "I ain't getting on that boat." <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know what you do. I, I guess you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know either, and everybody agreed to it. I bring my boat to UKC Cast to go to just in case. Not PKC because it's only an hour. We'll just go hunt somewhere. So me and Alan kind of thought it'd be cool if we threw this in there. Trevor, Wade, and Alan Gingrich both listened to this podcast. So we're going to question y'all on this. Give us a rule interpretation. Does the whole cast have to agree to go where a guide goes in this instance, such as hunting out of a boat? Alan and Trevor say they listen to this. This is their test. Now back to the show. Well, so. The, there's a big difference uh, in in our geography, Tyler. I mean, yeah. You know, when I'm hunting, when you know, around my farm and, and probably within, well, I've got I've got to make a point to go to water. I've got, I've got to make a, a a deliberate decision to go to water because most of the hunting that we have around here, uh, if you have waders on, you have you probably you probably got overkill. You can probably do it in a pair of bean boots. Um, uh, most of the creeks that we hunt might be ankle deep, and they're probably wide enough that you can just step over. If uh, my hunting club, you know, it it's got a place in it called it's the 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 water that runs through it's called the Little River, but it is a glorified creek that in deep spots it's about three feet deep. Most places it's about ankle. To half calf. My elevation normally is about 650 feet above sea level. So we do not have big water 
where I'm at, unless we unless we wind up in a swamp, uh, and that's just a low place. Yeah, we don't hunt bayous. We don't have bayous here. Yeah, we don't have cypress trees here. Yeah, yeah, and it's different, you know, everywhere. I guess. Uh, I don't get y'all have oxbows either. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, we, the I guess the closest, sure enough, big river to me. And that, when I say big river, one that that you can navigate with a boat is probably. 12 miles from my house and it will have a few oxbows on it but they're not going to be big yeah um you know we don't have any big oxbow lakes or anything like that uh it it when i say the oxbow may be two acres of water yeah yeah uh not just not it's not big i mean we don't we do not have big big water here unless we are in a, a, a an army corps of engineering panel yeah, and <clears throat> now they, those are big. I looked at them on the satellite. They're huge. Uh, <laughs> um, so did we miss anything, man? I think we shined this tree pretty good. We did. You got anything else you'd like to add? Anybody like shout out? No, um, Tyler, I really appreciate you having me on, and I uh, really do enjoy your podcast. It's still kind of new, and, and I'm honored to be on it. And, uh, you know, you've had some, some really good podcasts so far, and, and I'm just I'm just happy that, that you invited me to be on and, and I could chip in. Yeah, well, I'm glad you came on, man. I think it was awesome. I'm sorry it ran so long. I, I guess the listeners probably going to like it because one of the things I get is some of them aren't long enough. But this one. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've never heard anybody talk about hunting out of a boat. Nope, I hadn't. And and it, it's <laughs> really interesting. I think people are, I hope we covered it good enough. I mean, I don't, you know, you never know, but I think people well, like it. If folks have questions and they contact you, um, I'll be happy to do another one about it. Yeah, me too. And we can go more in depth. People really do want to hear more about it. Because uh, uh, we just scratch the surface, really. I mean, this uh, we kind of breezed through it, but I mean, I, I was worried that this wasn't going to take long enough. <laughs> I thought it was going to be over in about 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> I did too. I was like, man, I need to talk at the beginning of it so we can get a little bit longer. But man, we, we covered a lot of stuff. We did. We're do, about an hour and a half in. <laughs> we are. But, uh, man, like, like I said, Alan, I do appreciate you coming on here, buddy. And, uh, thank you so much, man. Oh yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Tyler. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. You have a good day. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting You. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.